0: No doubt this past Sunday was not what many had expected, and to be honest, uh, neither did we as of a few months ago. but God leads, and the one thing I have learned over the years is to trust him, and uh, that has that God always has our best in mind, both as individuals and as for us as a church. earlier this this past spring, one of the as I was looking towards this this fall thinking what I wanted to start when I had, because we just finished the series on the relevancy of the Ten, the Ten Commandments, and I thought what what do we want to look at this fall, and so I, I sensed it back in the spring that one of the things we should look at was the book of Ephesians, which is about the church, about God working in the church, a little bit about what Josh had already talked about, and we're going to get more into that as we get into the series, and as I as as I finished up the series, I, I just I kind of said, "God, is that really what you want us to do?" And I sensed again that God was really wanting us to step into that. So this fall, we're going to start with the book of Ephesians. Um, as I said here, we're going to call it. It's kind of like build one step at a time. And uh, it's Paul wrote the book of Ephesians not necessarily to correct kind of uh, any heresy or any wrong thinking but more to expand the horizons and the understanding of, of what the Ephesian church already understood about who Jesus was, or about what Jesus had done for the church, both um, to them personally as well as how that intersects with people around them, both them in, in the body of Christ as well as the families and all other kinds of things, even in the spiritual world. And so he covers the whole thing, the whole gamut. Um, Years ago, I read a book that really impacted me. It was kind of a commentary in the book of Ephesians by Watchman Nee called um, Sit, Walk, Stand. And that book basically was, that Sit, Walk, Stand is basically a, a, a division or an outline for the book of Ephesians. And uh, he talks about in there, Watchman, he talks about in the book, the beginning of the book is talking about sitting in Christ. Then he talks about uh, walking in Christ. And at the end of the book, he talks about standing in Christ. And so that's kind of a, if you want a kind of an outline for the book of Ephesians, that's a great, great, uh, great outline. Great book if you ever pick it up and have a read it. It's kind of a classic in, on, on Ephesians. But God, uh, Paul wanted them to know more about who God is what God was doing in their lives as individuals, but also what God is doing in the church and what God is doing in their families as well. And so that's the interesting thing about the way God works. Paul the Apostle talks about one of the most fundamental questions that people ask. And we've talked about this a number of times over the last few years. And that question is, who am I? Who am I? Not just that, but it's also about this aspect of, who was I and who am I becoming? Because sometimes we just think about who am I right now, but we don't ever think about who were we or who do we want to become? None of us want to be who we used to be. I I hope not anyways. Maybe there's some regret that we've changed in a bad way that we wish we could go back in, in a sense in time. But more, more likely, we, we, we're glad that we aren't who we used to be, but we want to know who, do we, who can we become. Who, who is God making us? We want more of God. We want more of uh, His work in our lives. We want to be more patient. We want to be more kind, more generous, more loving, more understandable, more, no, more knowledgeable, wiser. There's so many things we want to become but the question is not just who are we becoming but also what are we prepared to leave behind because we can't become something unless we leave certain things behind we cast off those things that we once were to become who God has designed us to be and often we try to try to to, to become who God wants us to be sometimes without God. we just going, oh, I'm going to be more patient. I'm, I'm going to be more kind. And we kind of grit our teeth and kind of put a grimace on our face. And that's not really being kind, is it? So, you know, we need to involve God in this process. And we need to, to, to rest in Him that allow Him to make us who He wants us to be. As I reflected on this, um, I mean, as I reflected on this question about who am I, it's actually a question that the English Ministries Committee have, has asked even of, of SEAC, of, of our English ministries, our congregation here. Who are we as a, ch- not just as an individual, but who are we as a church? And who is God calling us to be? And Josh kind of alluded a little bit to that this morning in, as he was sharing in, in, during the worship time. We are unique. Why are we unique? Why has God called us to be who we are? There are amazing people that, are, that make up this body we called SEAC, South Edmonton Alliance Church. And why do you think God has raised this church up and allowed us to be here in Millwoods on this corner along, with the LR, along the new LRT stop, whenever that's going to open? And, uh, you know, why has God positioned us here? Why has He drawn so many people here over the past few years? And what is He wanting us to do through it, through being here in this place? It's a big question. And the big question, even as Josh raised it, is how do I fit into that whole scenario? What is, how, do, how do I fit? What's my piece of the puzzle that God's giving me to be? The letter to the book of Ephesians is a bit about that, about expanding how we view ourselves, what God has called us to be, how we fit into not just as an individual, but us as a as a, as a as a person in relationship with other people, both within the church and within families, and how has God involved us, even in the spiritual world, because that's a, a topic we very rarely talk about. God has drawn you here for a specific purpose. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I'd rather be somewhere else, but God has called you here, and you can't leave unless God calls you elsewhere. So what does God have in, in store for you? I invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at the first 14 verses. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff in there, and a lot of stuff I'm not going to unpack, and that's okay, because this is more not about me unpacking it for you. This is about you digging in and seeing what God is saying to you about these passages of Scripture. So I'd like to start with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul was writing to the church, the followers, the believers, the saints, people like you. Now, a lot of times when we read the term saints, we think Roman Catholic saints, somebody like a Mother Teresa or whatever, but that's not God's definition for saint. A saint is an ordinary person who is a faithful in Jesus, faithful in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says a saint is, someone who follows Jesus. That's a saint. That's a saint. It has nothing to do with how good they have been or how bad they aren't or how they have helped people about what they're doing. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for them and in them. That's what what makes them a saint. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus, what Jesus has accomplished in our life. That's what makes us a saint. It's not us. Not how good we are. It's about how Jesus makes us holy. How we have become holy through Jesus. If we've surrendered to him, then we are a saint. Nothing can ever change that. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into this the rest of this message this this morning's message is about unpacking some just portion of what um the blessings that come as a result from us being in christ even the in, in verse three paul says this he says praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ well what are the blessings, right? That's the question. What are those spiritual blessings that he's given to us? He says he's given us everything. What are those blessings? Well, he's given us a lot. And then verses 4 to verse 14, he unpacks a few of those. Just a few. Let me, let me underline that. Just a few. But it's pretty incredible what, he give, what Paul says here. Verse 4. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We were chosen before the creation of the world. If you want to think of it, think of the Big Bang theory. God knew at that point in time that you were going to be who you were and you were chosen at that point in time. Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16 says this, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be God knows you he knew you were gonna be alive today in this place and you were chosen long before history was written chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight because it's not about you it's all about Jesus could you imagine your life think about this now could you imagine your life with no guilt no shame no secrets Nothing to hide from. Nothing to having no fears. Walking with confidence. Can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine how light you would feel inside? How amazing that would be to, to just going, to be able to breathe and saying, I have nothing to hide. I am who I am. That is how God has called you. That's unbelievable because our world is filled with people who have secrets. Everybody has secrets. But according to Paul, those of us who are in Christ Jesus were holy, blameless in His sights, and we have the opportunity to walk in a freedom with no secrets, no blame, nothing to hide, just in complete confidence in who God designed us to be. It's unbelievably crazy promise. That God gives to us and it's ours it's ours when we could spend a lot of time just talking about that but let's move on to verse 5 in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will in other words again this whole aspect of predestined in love for an adoption into a family Vance and I were at a wedding yesterday, and you've all seen the shoe game where the bride and groom, each, the bride has his shoe, her shoe, the groom has his shoe, her shoe, and they sit back to back, and then they ask them questions, and they're saying, you know, who is, who's the one that farts the most, or who's the one that wakes up early in the morning first, or you know, like who's the early bird, and who's the late, you know, they, all these questions. One of the questions they asked the couple was this, which family is the craziest family? Ooh, that's a deadly question, isn't it? (laughs) At a wedding. Surprisingly, they both, they each put up their own shoe. The groom put up his shoe, the bride put up her shoe. You know why? Because every family's got their crazies in it, right? We all do. We all have issues in our families. There's no family that's perfect. Every family has, you know, this or that. They have jealousy. They have anger. They have division. They have favorites. There's blaming that gets going on. There's divided. There's drama. There's challenges. I mean, trust me, we like to put on a pretty good front, but every family has its issues. Every family has their crazies, right? But Jesus says, Paul says here, that we get to be adopted into a perfect family. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, I'm sure you've thought about it at times going, oh man, I wish I could be a part of that family, right? I don't want to be a part of my family anymore. It's too wild. It's too crazy. It's too, I'd rather be a part of something, somebody else's family. We all long for that at times. And guess what? God gives us that opportunity in Christ because we, he adopts us through Jesus Christ into the family of God in accordance with his pleasure and will. That's crazy. No more infighting, no more issue, no more division, no more jealousy, no more drama, no more tension. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's the family of God. Now, we're still working through some of those things down here, but when we get to heaven, that's when the party's going to begin because there's no more issues up there. Adopted into a family. Verse 6. He goes on. To the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Glorious grace. Undeserved favor. What in the world does that mean? Guess what? I'm going to leave that for you to explore. And we're going to talk about that as I get to the end of my message today. There's a lot packed into just even that little verse, undeserved or the glorious grace of God. Verses 7 and 8, Paul goes on and he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Redemption, forgiveness of sins according to his riches. If you made a list of all the sins that you ever did, how many sins would there be? How thick would the binder be? Can you see that? I mean, this is volume one. Okay? I mean, really, I mean, you think about it. Of all the sins, and we have forgotten so many. Right? The sins that we have done. Now imagine sitting in a courtroom. And uh, and the judge has a list. Has the binder. Not just volume one, but all of them. And he's and he opens it up and he's and he's looking through it and he's going, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Okay. I mean he's looking at the list and he's looking at it and then he looks down at you. And he looks back at the binder and then he looks at Jesus. Then you know what he does? Not guilty. That's what Jesus does when we're redeemed, when we're forgiven. He basically wipes it away. Why? Because we're trusting who Jesus has made us to be. We're trusting him. Because he, we have given our life to Jesus, and Jesus takes away our sin. He, he declares us not guilty. God the Father declares us not, for, not guilty. It's not a spoonful of forgiveness. He lavishes on us incredible amount of forgiveness. You go to Costco. The little people sit there behind the little, you know, counters, and they're going, would you like to try a sample? Right? And they give you a little sample. And you taste it. And you're going, that's good. I, I really want more. And they're going, you have to buy it. Right? It's going to cost you. And Jesus wants to give it to us lavishly, Without anything, he says, like, yeah, I'm going to give you a taste, but guess what? If you ask for it, I'm going to give you the whole thing. Free of charge. No cost. Costco could never do that, but God can. He gives it to us freely, lavishly, not moderately excessive, but excessive, excessively forgiveness. That's what God gives. Unbelievable. Beyond our understanding. Verses 9 and 10, he says, He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring, to bring unity to all things in heaven on earth under Christ. Information is power, isn't it, in our world? If you know stuff that nobody else knows, that's power. I mean, governments pay for information. They pay huge dollars and cents for information. And when we know things that others do not, that gives us power. And God's mystery, even though it is a secret, even though it is a mystery, it's not really a mystery. Because he says, if you want to know it, it's yours. It's only a mystery to those that don't want to know it, or those that can't be bothered with it, or those that don't care about it then it becomes a mystery the information about God the, the knowledge of God and people going well I don't care about that and you to them it's a mystery but to anyone who seeks him it's not a mystery God says oh, I'll give it to you freely it's it's like my forgiveness just it's free of choice it's free free to accept nothing can be hidden I I I give it all And he says nothing will exist outside of his authority because he rules over everything. And then he also says in that verse, he makes us one with other believers from all kinds of backgrounds, ethnic, racial, gender, social status, economic place, I mean, size, age, doesn't matter. We're all become unified in him. And our world is filled with division, racism, hatred, segregation, judgment, condemnation, and division, And God says, I can make the impossible possible. When you surrender to me, I can erase all those barriers. I mean, those two verses alone have tons of stuff to unpack. But we can't stop there. Paul goes on, verse 11 and 12. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with His purpose in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. We've talked about this a couple times already that we were chosen. We're predestined, planned to work out everything as part of God's plan to work everything out. When I think of how God prepared me for coming here to be a part of this church, I'm amazed at the journey that he took me on. And I am gonna put a quick, and most of it has to do with people. The journey included some friends I had in, in school in Fort McMurray. I had a, I had an Arabic friend. I had a guy that was a, a friend of mine, Roy, was from India. Um, I had a Chinese friend, Colin, um, I had a, a guy that was from England. They were my friends when I was growing up because Fort McMurray was incredibly diverse. I think of the time, the year I spent in the Philippines and the people I got to meet there, a guy that I met from Japan and who I'm still friends with. People I've known from Samoa, Tonga, Brazil, Chile, Germany, Ireland, Hong Kong, China, Thailand, Singapore, First Nations, Sri Lanka, India, Nigeria, Democratic Republic of Congo, Australia, Korea, uh, Mexico, Cuba, New Zealand, Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, Palestine, Jordan, Iceland, and more. Those people have all influenced me in some way, shape, or form and made me who I am today. And oftentimes, I still feel ill-equipped to serve God. And yet God led us here. God led me to help you and serve you alongside of you and to learn from you and to serve as to the extent that He has enabled me and He has enabled you. All that we might praise Him. All that it might come together in a way that He would get glorified. That's part of what God's doing. He goes on to say in the last two verses we're going to look at today verses 13 and 14 he says this And you also Notice that he says you also It's not just about one person or that person or this one or that it's you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth the gospel of your salvation having believed having or when you believed you were marked In Him were the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Included in Christ, when we heard the gospel and responded, when we were included in in the good things that God was doing, we are part of the good news as our lives declare the amazingness, the changes that He has brought about in our lives And that is a testimony to the power of Jesus to change other people's lives. When our lives are changed, that's a proclamation to, it's a a visible demonstration of the lives of change of others. That, that, That they can have change. That God can give them hope. That God can give them peace. That's part of it. But then he also says this part, he says, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And you're going, okay, what does that mean? The other day I opened a uh, a container of vitamins and uh, there was a seal on the top. On the top it says, if this seal is broken, you know, something about this is contaminated or throw out or do not eat or whatever, right? And it tells you right there on the thing, if the seal's broken, forget it. Don't go there. Don't, Don't open it up. It's meant it's been tampered with. It could be contaminated. It could be harmful to your health. Why? Because the seal is broken. And that seal is what guarantees the freshness and the, the authenticity of whatever's contained in there. And God says I am putting, I put my seal, my Holy Spirit on you to guarantee your inheritance. Can't be, can't be tampered with, can't be removed, can't be taken away. It's guaranteed. It's tamper proof. And I, I've given my Holy Spirit to you to indwell you and to be on you in such a way that you would know all of these things, all of these blessings that I want you to experience. So, I mean, I've covered a lot of stuff today, right? And you're going, wow, like, I, I just so many things there, I can hardly keep track of them. Okay, I want you, I want to ask a couple questions. First of all, I want you, if, if you have your Bible, look up, look up those verses, verses 3 to 14. I want you to go through that list. And I want you to recognize one thing that you have experienced that you can say, I, I know some of that at least. Okay? Just take a moment. Go through the list. Verses th- 3 to four, 14. Go through the list. Maybe maybe there's more things you've experienced. Maybe you've had a, a, a time of, you know, gone through lots of them and uh, circle a few, underline a few, highlight them, whatever. Um... Yeah, maybe turn the music down just a little bit, please, Jeremy. Thanks, and uh, just and then take a moment and thank God for them. Thank God for them. Uh, appreciate them. Rejoice over them. Give thanks. Be thankful for them. Go go through the list. What are the things that God has done? Those things is it something that you know He talked about in verse seven? You know you. About forgiveness and redemption, you're going, yeah, I, I've really experienced that. Or maybe it's, you know, um, you you said, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I'm part of a family when I've come to SIAC, or I'm part of God's family. What are the things that you've experienced, even even partially? It's important you recognize those things. Which ones have you experienced? And this is something you can do even outside of this service, even later today or tomorrow morning when you wake up and you spend time with God and you're going, God, what things have I experienced that I can be thankful for? that you have given to me that I've come to discover and come to know. And then you could say, then the next question is then, which of those things that, that Bruce read that we read from that passage, verses 3 to 14, which ones were a new thing to me that I'm going, I don't know what that means. I'm not sure I understood what he was talking about there. I don't know if I really embraced that. In other words, which ones of them have you not experienced yet? And is there a reason why you haven't experienced it yet? Maybe it's because you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you said you just, I, you know, I, those, those are great things. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I could ever, I don't know if I've actually experienced those. Maybe it's time to do that, to surrender to Him. If half of what's on that list is real, maybe it's worth checking out. Give yourself to Jesus. Let Him, let Him reveal to you about some of those things. Maybe for others, others of you, you you've not experienced them because maybe there's been a theological disconnect or a, 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 you know, a mental disconnect. You're just, you just, you've heard some wild stories about, you know cults and those kinds of weird things that have led you that have led some people astray and and you're afraid you're afraid but guess what god loves you he cares about you and that's what faith is is trusting him to lead you and some sometimes even the aspect of fear you're you're worried about well what happens if i have to give up control Fear plays a part in that, too, because, well, you know, if, if God takes over my life, you know, maybe I'm going to have to stand on my hands and do headstands or something. I don't know. Like, we're going to be asked to do really kind of strange things. There's all kinds of reasons, fears, that come enter people's minds as to why they don't trust God. It may be the reason you haven't experienced it is because it's never occurred to you before. You never thought about it. You never read that passage in that kind of a way. Whatever the reason is why you've never experienced, pick one of those things in the list and ask Jesus to lead you through it. Ask Jesus to allow you to experience some of his, uh, another portion of his grace, another portion of what the gift he wants to give to you. Or maybe you've ex- going, well yeah, I've kind of experienced everything then guess what you're you're miles ahead of the ra- most of us or at least miles ahead of me then guess what you can go back and pick one in the list and say God I want to know more about you in that area so it doesn't matter where you are on the continuum today you get to experience more of Jesus because I'll guarantee it you can never experience everything there is to know about God and the grace that he's given to us and the incredible riches, spiritual riches he's given to us through Jesus so find one Invite God to reveal something about that area, about that verse, about that topic to you in a fresh and a new way. And lastly, I encourage you to do it this way, is invite others to join with you as you seek to experience the wonders of God's grace, which is already yours. Do it with others. Share what you've learned with others. If you're afraid, Things will get out of control and things are going to get a little crazy or whatever. You know, encourage people to say, hey, if I'm going to go crazy on this thing, suck me back in, okay? Please pull me back (laughs) from the edge. But do it with others because none of us live Island, we're never islands unto ourselves. Our world tells us that we should do experience everything kind of individually, but that's not really how God designed us. He designed us to do stuff together in a family, in a body, in relationship with others. And I mean, we live in a city. You know, We're in a, we're in a building. We're sitting in the same room. So we do life together. We're, we're part of families. God wants us to do that. So I encourage you to do even experience, allow your spiritual experience to be part of doing it with others. And ask God to show you who you can share this with. And just say, hey, I'm I'm really learning about this. Hey, this is something I discovered this week. And just share it with another person. And see what God has for you. Invite others to join you as you do it together. What an amazing opportunity to discover more of God's grace. His unsearchable grace and mystery. And the blessings that he gives to us in Jesus. Let's pray together. God, that passage is packed with so many things that every verse we could spend um, probably two sermons on, two messages on every week. And still not discover all the riches of what you have for us. But God, we pray that you would enable us to find one area and start the journey of discovering more of your riches, of your grace, of your power, of your work, of your love, what it means to be part of a family, how, how to live a life in a fresh new way. God, just help us to scratch the surface some more so that we will praise you more and more and more for all the work that you've done for us. Not, not that we've deserved it, Not that we've done everything good and everything perfect, but that you are changing us and we want to be changed. We want more of you. We want to leave the stuff behind. We want more of you. God, lead us into that. Help us to rejoice in that. We give you the praise in your name. Amen.